Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity, Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn, you have this muted. You should be listening to it, Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that doc, you homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is August 17th, 2016. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jake Cat Morris. Um, tonight, ah, man, this is, this is going to be a busy week. I got a couple of great shows lined up for you tonight. I do believe I have on the line right now my guest, J.C. Rotten. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? How much? Um, you, you know, you're a guy I wanted to talk to for a while. Um, you know, for those who don't know, you're the son of Ian Rotten, who is a very legendary name on the indies, also very controversial. So, um, you know, it's it's really interesting to get your insight on a bunch of different things that have gone over uh, over the years and how you grew up within that legendary and controversial uh, environment. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's definitely been uh, a wild roller coaster uh, of a life. But you know, looking back at it, uh, especially all the experience I had, definitely wouldn't change uh, anything about it. Sure. So you know, let's let's go as as far back as you can remember as far as wrestling. Obviously, you were born into a wrestling family. Everything surrounded you was wrestling. Um, what was your earliest memory of wrestling? 
Um, my earliest memory of wrestling was probably um, I was about three years old, um, and I remember most, you know, off the top of my head was uh, would be I was watching the Hardy Boys uh, on TV, and and that that was kind of my first real, you know memory of wrestling as far as uh you know one that one that sticks out to me because you know back in the day they they were doing all all the crazy moves that you you just didn't see then and that and that caught my eye as a kid mhm um, you know how long after that did you realize that you know your father was wrestling and you know was involved in wrestling at a level of you know building talent and all the things that he was doing well um it, it was probably, you know, another two years after that until I really started um, becoming invested in IWA and, uh, you know, independent wrestling as a whole because, uh, you know, by, by that time, you know, we were putting on massive shows, you know, the, yeah. you know, c- coming up on, you know, the, the anniversary shows and everything else and, you know, Buster events, you know, events that, nobody else in the country was putting on and uh you know being such a young kid and and seeing all these people uh you know i i remember uh i was you know around around five or six and my dad had brought a harley race in uh to be the keeper Mm -hmm. of the cage for a cage match that he was having And and i remember being five years old and sitting at the gimmick table with harley race and and picking Harley Race's brain, you know, a five-year-old kid asking Harley about, you know, the NWA and the business and, and, and everything else, uh, which is crazy to, to even think back, you know, because now guys are going and paying, you know, 500 bucks to, to talk to Harley Race and run his camp and everything else. Yeah. Um, now, you know, being Ian Rotten's kid and everything, and Ian's an old school guy, you know, he, he, he knows a ton, a ton of wrestling. Um, how early were you introduced to that old school style of wrestling and everything that was going on? Because obviously the, the Hardy's on the TV, but, you know, to even know Harley Race at five years old, uh, you know, how early oh. was that introduced to you? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I remember because when I was a kid, my dad was on the road a lot. I mean, like, a lot, like, you know, on, you know, probably, you know, 15 out of 30 days, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, but when he'd come home, the, the two things that we would watch would be, uh, you know, old school wrestling, whether it was, uh, you know, Memphis or Texas or, you know, uh, Florida, Georgia, you know, whatever we, we had in, in the tape collection, uh, we'd watch that, and we'd watch Orioles baseball. Though you know, those were the the main two things uh, that I was watching as a kid. So very early on, you know, four or five years old, you know, I, I was watching Crockett Promotions and you know NWA and uh, WCCW out of you know Texas. You know, I I, I that that's what, what what I was growing up on. Yeah, who were your early favorites? Uh, early on, uh, as a kid, um, I, I was drawn obviously to Dusty Rhodes. You know that that was uh, in in our house, household. There there was there was Jesus, and then there was Dusty Rhodes. Kind of, you know that, that that's how it went. Uh, but but Dusty, yeah. um, and then surprisingly, a lot of people don't know this about me. What made me 
want to be a professional wrestler, maybe fall in love with wrestling, uh, was Rey Mysterio. I remember um, my dad brought me home a tape, uh, a compilation tape of Rey Mysterio, and he was like, hey, sit down and watch this. And uh, I, my eyes were just glued to the TV, man, because, like, I'd, I'd never seen anything like that, you know. You know, being a kid, obviously, I was attracted to all the colors and everything else. But, you know, guys flying off the top ropes and everything else, that's – Ray was my big influence, you know, as as far as falling in love with the business and being in love with professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, now, you know, how long after, you know, you get into wrestling, you know, you, you see now your dad's running these just monster shows and everything else. How long before it settles in that the deathmatch wrestling is going on, and what was your first, you know, exposure to that? Um, my my favorite memory as far as deathmatch wrestling goes, as as my exposure to it, was uh, the 2001 King of the Death matches. There's a picture um, in our house that actually at my dad's house um, that he has of the year that he won, and he's just covered in blood, you know, crimson mask only the way Ian Rotten could. And mm-hmm. uh, he's holding me in his arms, and I'm looking at him like, what is wrong with you? And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll always I'll always remember that year, man, because that was, uh, that was my, really my first memory of, you know, the death matches and, you know, guys coming off top of balconies and coming out of the rafters and, you know, uh, light tube wall cabins, you know, as tall as the ring, and you know, kid like seeing all that stuff. You're like, oh man, this is awesome! All these explosions and everything else. You know, so that that was yeah. really my first. You know, 2001 King of Death was was probably my first realization of, man, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on around me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long before it became like commonplace to you, where you kind of just rolled with it and. You know. Well, the the funny thing would be, uh, man, is like, uh, you know, being at school, uh, when when I was growing up, I couldn't function unless something was wrestling related. So like my mm-hmm. teachers had to start putting wrestling like it terminology into my schooling. And, you know, I would go back and tell them, you know, what I because, you know, uh, being in, you know, first, second grade, uh, oh, what did you do over your weekend? You know, the little journals that you had to do. And well, I saw <laughs> yeah. two guys, yeah, I saw two guys fall out of a balcony and, you know, or you know, stuff like that. And they, they would read it and, and you know, my, my dad or mom would have to go into the school and, and explain that this is what we do. This is the family business. And, and that's how I thought of it growing up is like, this is this is what every dad does, you know. Every every dad, uh, you know, goes through flaming tables and and bleeds everywhere and falls into barbed wire and thumbtacks and glass. Yeah, I mean, over the years, did that kind of label you the crazy kid in school? Because you know your father did all this crazy stuff, and it it's so funny, man. Because like when I was in school, you know, like back then, uh. You know, at at the time, like wrestling was was really really popular. So a lot of kids in my school, you know, loved WWE and loved you know Triple H and Shawn Michaels and all and all these other guys. And 
they didn't believe me that that my dad was a wrestler. So finally, like my dad came in and um, autographed pictures for like my my whole class. Uh, there was even one year where uh, you know because he was making those those frequent trips back and forth uh, from from here to Europe. And uh, mm-hmm. one year he brought uh, Swiss chocolate in and let the kids compare it uh, to American Hershey chocolate. And, you know, so like in, in elementary school, like I was, I was kind of, you know, one of the cool kids because, you know, my, my dad was traveling all over the world. My dad was a, you know, a famous wrestler. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Um, so, you know, um, well, I mean, the things really took off as far as IWA and it continued to escalate it at, you know, one time they were definitely running just the top independent promotion. Um, you know, the, the distribution wasn't as big as it is now. There wasn't the eye pay-per-views or anything, but, you know, you go back and chronicle those things, some of those Ted Teddy tournaments and stuff. I mean, the Chris heroes and the CM punks and the Daniel Bryans and the list goes on and on. Um, you know, what was it like being part of that back then? And, did it take you to see it later on and kind of reflect on it or, or did you catch it at the time how big that was? Uh, I, you know, the, the thing about me as a kid, man, was like, uh, every, every weekend we had, you know, 20, you know, wrestlers at our house. And I just thought like everybody was there to play with me. Like I thought, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I had, all these people to wrestle with and, you know, uh, like as a kid, you know, since it was the weekend, I was staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, of course, back in the day, all those guys were doing was watching wrestling tapes. So, you know, Chris Hero and CM Punk, Colt Cabana, Ace Steel, Dave Prezak, you know, all those dudes, when they would come to the house, they would pop in VHS tapes. So it would just be like a round robin of, me wrestling with guys. And so at the time yeah. I was, I was oblivious to what was going on around me, you know, and then as I started to grow up, um, you know, cause I, I always had access to that footage. I always, you know, it was always in a, a DVD cabinet or in the DVD totes for the merchandise. And I, I would go back as I was older and be like, man, I, this was awesome. I was, I was a part of, you know, just these, crazy insane matches you know the the hero and punks Tarek and kickboxer like like all those matches that took place you know i watched them in front of me unfolding you know and had no idea yeah who was the most you know surreal was it the rise of cm punk and him ended up on top who was the most surreal to like look back and go man that guy was in my living room a couple years ago um it honestly man uh, the the thing with Punk was really cool, um, you know, seeing him him grow and everything. But the the biggest one for me probably uh, would be Seth Rollins or Tyler Black, whatever you know people want to call him. Uh, right. Seeing him seeing him stand up on that stage at, at the end of WrestleMania a couple years ago and, and hold up the belt, uh, you know, brought tears to my eyes because I I literally watched him from being a fan to getting trained you know, to where he is now being a mainstay, you know, in WWE being one of the top guys, if not the top guy on Raw, you know, yeah. and, you know, that that's probably the most uh, surreal one that really gets to me and, and, and makes me emotional is, is 
seeing his rise, like I said, man, I watched him from being a fan to his training to being what we know today. And uh, it, mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy to see, you know, and and even guys like uh, Cesaro, Claudio, whatever, you know, seeing seeing him, you know, watching him in his early years when he was coming over here with Swiss money holding and, and staying at our house and having no idea of American culture, you know, and, and yeah. now he's – you know, when when WWE needs a guy to promote overseas, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, over the years, uh, your father he he got quite a reputation with a bunch of people, and you know, he definitely didn't rub everybody the right way. You know, he 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 did his business, other people did theirs, and you know, he butt heads with people. Um, one person, for instance, is John Zandig. They couldn't stand each other forever. Um. What was your thoughts, you know, when you learned of like the CZW, IWA, you know, dislike or hatred? Um, when when I was growing up, like uh, when when the the CZW IWA feud began, all all I thought of it was as uh that that was our trip to the East Coast. That's how we saw my dad's side of the family. Uh, and mm-hmm. and then growing up, then growing up and uh. As I got older, man, uh, me and my dad have gotten really, really close. Um, you know, as as far as talking about the business, and and uh, you know, there there would be some nights where I would be at his house, and be we'd be up till three, four o'clock in the morning just discussing the business. And uh, you know, the the whole thing about CZW and IWA is we're we're so far apart, but we're so much alike in so many ways. You know, especially mm-hmm. that, especially that error going on. You know, especially Zandig, CZW, and and IWA at the time. Uh, you know, we, you know, we we were putting on the matches of Hero and Punk and A Steel, Coke Banner, all those guys. While guys like Sanjay Dutt and Ruckus and you know all those dudes were up there just killing it. And uh, yeah. I I think I think that's where a lot of the hatred came from. Was you know who who was the best you know, that, that wasn't on TV and, and wasn't, you know, a ring of honor, you know, uh, you know, along those lines. And, uh, and, and growing up down here, it was, everybody had the same mentality of, you know, IWA was better than CZW. It kind of, that's just kind of how, you know, I was, I was raised into things, you know, uh, you know, my my dad was always the better booker. He was he was always putting on the better matches, putting on the better shows. You know, uh, you know that's why the East Coast fans wanted to come down here. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of how the philosophy of things was growing up. Right. Um, how long was it before you got to you know watch some of the East Coast stuff? To, you know, make your own decision at least. You know, see some of it because obviously you knew the talent as far as Sanjay and Ruckus and everything else. Uh, fairly young man. Like as as uh, I remember, like I think I was at like one of the first shows right after the big invasion uh, that IWA did, and uh, you know I, and and again at the time, man, I. I just looked at everybody kind of the same way, you know, it was, mm. you know, all these, these guys are my buddies that I don't get to see all the time. And, 
you know, as as I got older, even just today, I was on break at work, and I went back and uh, watched some of the old uh, Cage of Death highlights and uh, Chris Cash and, you know, a couple other guys. And, uh, man, ju- just to think, like, if things were, were just as easy, you know, back then uh, as far as, you know, communication-wise, you know, getting car loads booked and, and stuff like that, you know, how crazy – you know, uh, the IWA CZW feud could have been, you know, if yeah. if it didn't, you know, if it if it wasn't, you know, long distance phone calls and and everything else, how how crazy, you know, certain matchups could have been, as, as far as you know that feud went. But but again, you know, it it comes back to uh, IWA and CZW were alike in many ways, and IWA and CZW both had very headstrong leaders had very, mm-hmm. you know, two, two, two leaders that, you know, would, would legitimately die for their brand, you know, yep. and, and that, that's, that's literally a testament to what my dad would do as far as the insane stuff that he would do for IWA. And, you know, Zandig, you know, has, has proved time and time again that he has balls of steel and will, you know, jump off anything. Right. You know, so I yeah. I think that was a, a large portion of uh, why things ended up not working out. You know, not saying which you know uh, which side had a problem and which side didn't, and blah blah blah. But you know, right. the, I think that that was the major issue at the time was you know those the, those were two very strong-minded people. Uh, trying to do business, you know, 16 hours apart or, or, or whatever it was at the time. Right. I want to go into, you know, some of these situations that, have, you know, were brought up over the years, um, one of which your name was thrown around a little bit uh, during the time where the incidents happened. But um, Thumbtack Jack, um, what's your memory of what went down when, you know, he came into IWA and it, there was a big backlash following it and um, – what do you remember? Well, you, you you see, man, the the funny thing about Jack was when when Jack came uh, to stay for his IWA stint, me and Jack got like super close. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was the one Jack was spending all of his time with, pretty much. We we were hanging out, you know, listening to music, watching movies, because we were, me and him were into the same stuff. So like mm-hmm. I I was, it, you know, as you know I, I'm sure you know Jack's a weird dude, and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know I'm I'm into weird stuff. So like that he I was his biggest ally uh, as far as okay. the as the Midwest went. You know I would have to explain some of Jack's humor and explain you know you know why he was the way he was. And, uh, at, you know, the, the incident happened, uh, at the time, um, you know, we, we've heard it a thousand times. Jack made a comment uh, about putting my younger brother, uh, in the oven, you know, whether it was joking mm-hmm. or not, uh, James has a serious heart condition. Uh, you know, you just don't joke about, uh, someone's kid, um, or, or someone's family, um, you know, especially IWA is a very family-oriented place as far as the locker room goes. You know, it's it's a very you fuck with one of us, you fuck with all of us uh, type mentality. Um, you know, 
Jack Jack spoke out of hand uh, that night, um, you know, and and as we all know the the consequences that were to follow, uh, you know, and and now, you know, we're we're still doing our thing. I'm not sure what Jack's doing. Hopefully, he's you know doing well over there and 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 doing mm-hmm. you know uh, something. Uh, but you know that that stuff in the past, uh, as far as the, the situation with Jack goes, uh, just uh, he, he he marches to the beat of a different drum uh, than a lot of people. Uh, his humor is not very well taken, um, you know, and and that that's pretty much all you know all that I got about that one. Right. Um. Now, you know, J.C. Bailey had been a staple in IWA for many, many years. He was, you know, the IWA Nick Mondo, where the East Coast had Nick Mondo. Right. IWA had J.C. Bailey. And, you know, one of the best hybrid wrestlers that it's ever been. I mean, you know, his command of the ring and, you know, ability to do so many different things was like none other. I mean, he was was awesome. Um Obviously, you know, um, we lost J.C. Bailey and, you know, it became a big backlash, you know, towards your family as if there was something, you know, that you guys had something to do with it. Your father had something to do with it and everything else. But, um, I mean, just overall, what's your memories on J.C. Bailey? Because, like I said, I mean, he meant so much to independent wrestling and he came through IWA. Um, man, me and, me and J.C. were really close. Uh not not only uh my name uh being John Calvin uh but but also uh that that's kind of why when I made the decision to finally be JC Rotten that that was kind of uh, my my little tribute to JC you know saying mm-hmm. hey man our art cuz cuz that was one of the big things that me and JC always had uh we had matching wristbands that said JC on them um you know we we were Thicker than thieves, almost. Uh, you know, he he was he was my older brother in a sense, uh, especially mm-hmm. because we were on the we were on the road together all the time. You know, whether we were right. going to Illinois or Indiana, or, you know, even up to the East Coast. You know, he was he was the one that that was looking out for me. He was the one I was hanging out with, and uh, so, you know that the, the JC thing was, you know, kind of my tribute to him and and letting him know, you know, hey, the the initials are still living on. We're still rocking and rolling down here and uh you know like you said man um J- jc was was something different he he was something different than you know um than than what was being given at the time especially in the midwest you know the east coast had mondo but at, out out here there there wasn't really anybody like mondo besides jc jc was was the guy and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I I think back looking at it now, and um, you know, I, I I just imagine, you know, the the singles matches that that JC could have had with Tremont and uh, Jeff Cannonball and and all those guys, man, you know, uh, John Wayne Murdoch, Reed Bentley, you know, all all the all the matches that could have been, and uh, man, when uh when all the stuff happened with JC. Uh, at the end, the the last show that he did for IWA, um, yeah, I think it was like Litchfield, Illinois, or some some small town like that. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, man, because I, I hugged him, 
And I said to her, I was like, I was like, man, please, please don't go back to Bargetown and die on me. Like, I, I need you here. And mm-hmm. um, he's like, I promise, man, I'm not. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long after that that he passed away. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really know if they ever put out, you know, what the circumstance of it was. I, I know, you know, they said chair shots and head trauma and, and all this other stuff. Um, you know, but it, it was just um, something that, that always sticks to me uh, and, and makes me grateful that the last words that me and him ever spoke to each other was, I love you, because like I said, man, he, me and him were, were brothers. He, he was my older brother on the road. He made sure I was taken care of, you know, I, I was, I was his wingman back in the day, you know, when, when JC Bailey was looking to pick up chicks, you, you could bet that little JC was always in tow right behind him being, being the wingman. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, how difficult was it for you too? Because, you know, you lose JC Bailey, you know, your father catches a lot of criticism because, you know, a lot of people are looking for a reason to dislike everything that he does anyway. Um, but on top of that, this is someone that you were close to and now you get more or less labeled like, Oh, now he's calling himself JC, you know, and it becomes looked down upon when, you know, you, you had a bond and a friendship with the guy. Um, how do you handle that type of thing? Um, man, when, uh, I'll, I'll never forget the day that that call came, uh, because at the time we were living in Illinois and, uh, I was, uh, using my dad's phone, uh, as an alarm clock to wake up for school. And, uh, so, so right before school, uh, the phone goes off. It's not the regular alarm. It's a ringtone. Uh, I answer the phone. It's Mike Burns. Mike Burns doesn't call my dad that early in the morning. Uh, I I took the phone into my dad, uh, and he just started bursting into tears. And uh, it, it broke me, man. And, uh, you know, whether there's naysayers out there that uh, don't like me using the, the JC initials, uh, you know, I, I, I know in my heart, I know in my soul, uh, and, and at the end of the day, you know, JC would be fine with it. Cause you know, that, that was always our thing. You know, we were the two JCs. We, we were, like I said, man, we were brothers and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as far as people blaming my dad and stuff goes, you know, man, I, I was just kind of always used to it. He, he's been people scapegoat for a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've always said about my dad and my dad knows this cause I've said it to him before and, and, and he knows it, uh, Ian Robin, uh, as far as professional wrestling goes is a great mind. It, he's, he's probably one of the most intelligent people when it comes to booking of this generation. And, yep. but when it, but when it comes to being a businessman, Ian Rotten is not very good at it, and he knows that. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but the reason behind a lot of that man, and you know, bluntly honest, it's because he has too big of a heart. And and I know a lot mm. of people are gonna say, "Oh, that's bullshit." You know, that's his kid. But that that's the reason you know that a lot of times bills didn't get paid or guys didn't get paid is because you know uh, guys guys would be booked. Uh, two to a carload, and they would bring you know four people with them or four or five people with them, 
and he wouldn't want anybody to be left off the show. So instead of being 16 guys on the show like they're supposed to be, you know, there's 24, 32, you know, and, and he wants to give everybody something. He doesn't want guys walking out of there with nothing, you know. So it it was, oh, take a little bit off of this guy's pay and, and give it to this young kid so he can eat or he can get gas, um, you know, and I'll, I'll make it up to him, uh, you know, the next go around. And, and that's that's honestly, man, that's what it was a lot of the times is, uh, my dad just has a really big heart and a really big passion uh, for young guys in this business and, and wanting to see them succeed, you know, e- even on, on some of these weekly shows that we're doing where, you know, we're, we're not breaking the bank, man. We're, we're not cashing in down here uh, like some people think we are. Uh, he, right. He's just looking to give some of these kids a place to grow and learn and, and wrestle, you know, like he did when he was, was growing up in the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another, you know, couple situations, both related to Mickey Knuckles, the, um, the Mike Levy incident. Um, I've talked to just about everybody involved in the incident and um, the, yeah, I've talked to Ian, I've talked to Mike, I've talked to Devin, I've talked to Tank. Uh, what's, what's your view on everything that happened? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, it. I, I'm a very adrenaline-driven uh, person, uh, and and again, it goes back to you fuck with one of us, you fuck with all of us type thing. Uh, you know, that's that's where I came in on that situation. But as far as it goes now, uh, I've talked to a couple places about putting that match together, and and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, tr- trying trying to uh, to mend a. Uh, you know, an, an old scar, an old wound. Uh, I've, I've watched some of the stuff that the guy's done recently, and, I mean, he'll take some sick bumps, and, and uh, you know, I can give him that. Uh, but as far as the whole incident goes, man, he uh, he came in, uh, said, you know, he, he was trained more than he actually was, uh, you know, fucked up, obviously, uh, and, and that's what happens you know, when you fuck up sometimes is you get the shit kicked out of you. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and obviously the dude, the dude's still alive and breathing today. So, you know, clearly it wasn't, clearly it wasn't that bad. Right. Um, so then, you know, beyond that, Mickey Knuckles as a whole, um, obviously it was like a family member, um, you know, it was as close as can possibly be, um, uh, pretty much inseparable from the, you know, the rotten family. And, um, you know, that all came crashing down and, and it turned into, you know, uh, you couldn't get near each other more or less. Um, yeah. How did, how did you handle that? And, you know, where are you at with the situation? Because it was obviously, you know, go from, you know, hot to cold and pretty much uh, a heartbeat. Hon- fast. Honestly, man, uh, that, that situation, uh, it really fucked me up. Um, because as, as I started to get older, as I started to become a teenager, uh, you know, Mickey was the closest person in that house to my age. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that, that was my best friend that, you know, I, I didn't have, when we moved to Illinois, man, I, I kind of, uh, lost everything. Uh, all my friends down in, uh, in Louisville stopped talking to me. 
Um, you know, I, I couldn't really make friends up there. So Mickey was who I turned to. Uh, you know, it, it was, you know, our, our situation was, you know, we, we did everything together. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. movies, music, going to the store, uh, packing the ring truck together, you know, uh, riding in the ring truck together to the shows. When me and Mickey were on the road together, we were, we were, ha- we were out to have an adventure. We were out to have fun. And, uh, when, when she left, man, like, I, I had again lost everything. Like, I had lost my best friend. And, no. uh, you know, w- when all the stuff came out about what supposedly happened and, and everything else, um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into to who I think's right and who I think's wrong. Uh, but, but here, here's my standpoint on it. And, uh, you know, people can feel however they want to feel, but if somebody supposedly, uh, beat me up and made me do stuff that I didn't want to do, then why would I come back and wrestle for them? Why, why would I come back and do several appearances and, and everything else, not just once, but twice, you know, Mm that, that's, that that you know that kind of tells you uh, whose side I'm on there. If if you if you're telling the truth about a situation and and you're dead set on this person beat you up and this person made you do stuff that you didn't want to do, then why would you go back and you know why why would you go back and work for him? You know why why would you go back and and even want to be around him? And and that's that's my whole thing behind it, man. Is you know, uh, obviously somebody, uh, you know, came back. Uh, even if it was my dad asking for her to come back, she still came back. You know, and I know personally that if somebody wronged me, uh, in in the ways that was said that that she was wronged, I'd tell that person mm-hmm. to fuck themselves. You know, and and that's just as blunt as I can possibly be about it. I I would tell that person, you you want to use me? Nope, I'm good. You know, kiss my ass, goodbye. You know that that's what yeah. Facebook has a block button for. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's as blunt as I can possibly be about it, man. You know, um, you 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 have to look at it in in that exact way, uh. You you have you know I'm I'm a very logical person when it comes to things. Look at you know mm-hmm. you, you just have to look at it logically. You know I I know that that I wouldn't want someone around me that did all that stuff. So sure. Um. So you know the whole thing came down where um the the sabotage podcast um with uh Jerry Wiseman I think he's a scumbag but um he um yeah, he set up guy. this podcast with uh you know everyone he could find in order to bury Ian and uh you know brought everybody on and and everybody who had a gripe of course none of them had anything to do with Jerry Wiseman but it brought him a couple listeners so that's right. he set that thing up um i mean with that, of course, there was a lot of you know bad things said about your father over the years, but this was just a like a just an all out barrage. Um, did you listen to it? How did you handle it personally? I mean, did it enrage you to the point of wanting to get any one of these people, or, or how um, did you feel about it? 
I, I listened to it. I, I listened uh, only for a little bit. Uh, but me and my mom both uh, told my dad, this is a setup. Don't do it. This guy's a fucking asshole. Uh, if Jerry Wiseman does listen to this podcast, Jerry Wiseman, go fuck yourself. Um, he doesn't. I you curse know, too and, much. So. He doesn't. And, he doesn't uh, think I have class. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's the whole thing about it. You know, that, that dude was an asshole. Uh, you know, I don't even know if he's relevant anywhere at, at all now. Uh, could be dead for all I know, um, but you know that that that's all there was to it, man. You know, pe- people are gonna run their mouth, they're gonna talk shit. Um, you know, I've I've always kind of been, uh, and and the and the way I put it to people, uh, you know, people say, oh, well, you and your dad have gotten to to numerous arguments or numerous fights. Yeah, that's my dad. We're going to. We disagree. Why do we disagree? Because we're so much alike, you know. If mm-hmm. anybody watches uh, the way I cut promos or you know some of my movements in the ring, I'm exactly like my dad, almost a spitting image of him, you know. You look but just like him too. <laughs> at 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 the at the end of the day, um, you know, I've I've always kind of been been my dad's soldier uh, through the dark days of Bellevue, you know, when all that shit was going down, the stuff with Mickey, uh, I was always stuck uh, right by his side. And, uh, you know, that with that podcast, I told him, I was like, man, fuck it. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, I knew that's what was going to happen. Just, you know, forget it. Though, And all those people that are on that podcast are irrelevant now. No, I, I couldn't even uh, name anybody on that podcast that is still relevant to this day besides my dad because we're running weekly shows. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when did you obviously, you know, it was around you forever. It had to have been in your mind from the start. But when did you actually decide to start training in wrestling? And how did you go about that? Because obviously, you know, large shoes to fill and um, a pretty big hill to climb, you know, to follow in your father's footsteps and, and get into the wrestling business, know the expectations that, it, you know, are, are already built up. When did when well, did you all you know, set that into motion? Um. I, I started wrestling. Uh, I did a couple shows at 15. Uh, wasn't trained, just kind of dicking around, uh, you know, doing doing little shindy shows here and there, uh, you know, just for fun. Um, and and then when I was about 16, uh, that's when I decided that this is something I want to do. Um, and and at the time, me and my dad weren't on the best of terms, so I just kind of went off and did my own thing. I was you know wrestling all these. Uh, little shindies uh, around the area, um, you know, didn't even go by J.C. Rotten at the time, w- was just doing shows and, and, you know, wasn't trained by besides the stuff that I had learned over the years, you know, kind, mm-hmm. kind of went, uh, you know, was kind of under that, uh, you know, that Mike Quackenbush tree. I was just kind of self-taught and, uh, you know, was just doing my own thing. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, about a year into me wrestling, uh, me and my dad started to mend, uh, some of the stuff that had happened. And he was like, how, you know, how about, you know, we start working on you training, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and by the end of me being 17 is when I started to break into IWA and started to be an active wrestler there. Um, and, and, you know, actually learning how to be 
uh, in the business and, and wrestle and, and everything else. That was the, the start of me actually, you know, learning the process of things. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you went into training, who were the guys you got to train with? Because obviously, you know, star studded, uh, you know, locker room and, you know, a lot of opportunities kind of brought to you. Like you said, you got to meet Harley Race at, you know, five years old. Um, you oh. know, who were the the people who kind of mentored you at the time? Uh, ma- mainly it was my dad, but, uh, you know, at the time, Davey Richards was coming in a lot. Uh, Elgin was coming in a lot, you know, uh, Hero would come in from time to time, uh, Cabana, you know, I was still getting all, kind of all of those uh, guys that were there in the past, I was still getting to, to eat up that knowledge, uh, and um, for some people, uh, you know, they, they know who uh, Dale Patricks is, coming out of the School of Rock in Indiana, I was able to receive some guidance uh, during the some of the School of Rock taping. Uh, that they were doing at the time from Billy Rock uh, up there at the School of Rock. And uh, so th- those were like the main people involved. Um, and then uh, Reed Bentley was also one of the big, uh, you know, as, as far as like guiding me in and, and showing me things. Yeah. Um, how much of, the, of a pressure has there been over time for you to be a deathmatch guy, you know, seeing as who your father is? Um. Man, at, like from a fan standpoint, there are, like a lot of fans are like, "Oh man, you need to do death matches. You need to do death matches. You need to do death matches." My dad wanted me to steer clear of doing that stuff. Like he was like, "Don't do it." You know, I'm not going to book you in it. And finally, I just kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And he's like, "You know what? Fine. You, you know, you you can do what you want to do." Um, you know, as and I started to do more death match stuff, um, and then ended up doing. Uh, really, I think the breakout for me as far as doing uh, more deathmatch stuff uh, was when I did King of the Coliseum um, and and went to the finals with John Wayne Murdoch. I think that a lot of fans got to see, you know, that I was willing to, to, to do some crazier stuff and, um, you know, uh, was able to gain the respect of a guy like uh, Ron Mathis and you know, Josh Crane and, and, and John Wayne Murdoch, I was able to get those guys, you know, kind of on my side. And, and nowadays, you know, kind of stepping back from doing death matches with, with having a daughter now, uh, you, know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stepping back, you know, because I remember being a kid and my dad not being able to, to play ball with me or and, and stuff like that, you know, uh, or not being right. able to go to school functions because he was out of town. And, and you know, not saying, you know, because all he was doing was providing for us and putting food on the table, but I, I don't want my daughter to have to, uh, you know, feel the same way. I, I don't want her to, you know, uh, be upset if daddy can't teach her to ride a bike or, you know, uh, can't be there for the school dance or, you know, whatever. You know, I, I sure. don't want to be don't want to be all cut up going into school functions, you know, uh, would much rather uh you know just just be the guy uh that goes and and wrestles places and uh it's funny now because a couple years ago at iwa you know i was i was the youngest guy in the locker room i was soaking in all all the the experience i could soaking in all the knowledge i could and and now i have three guys at iwa uh, who are pretty much like my IWA kids, Cole Radrick, Jonathan Wolf, and Corey Storm, uh, 
mm. you know, I, I get I get calls or text messages from them, uh, hey, what do you think about this idea or uh, was my match okay or can you give me any advice, you know, and, and it, it's weird now to be in a flip-flop position of, you know, that my IWA kids coming to me and asking asking me for advice. Um, do you think over time, you know, being who you are and what your name is and everything else, do you think that has more helped or hurt your your bookings? Because obviously there's people who just aren't going to deal with your dad or anything that has to do with them. And in the same token, you know, used uh, right, I, that name can go far. There, uh, there, there's been a lot of uh, ups and downs for it, man. Um, you know, now now that my life's kind of more stable and uh, I got a good job and everything else, uh, here at the, uh, at the end of the year uh, and going forward, I'll, I'm going to be doing a lot more bookings and stuff. I've talked to a lot more promoters. And I, I think it's just taken a little bit of time for people to see uh, who I am as a person uh, and separate me from uh, the image of uh, a rotten – because, you know, not, not just my dad but Axel too – you know, uh, you know, dur- during the uh, the dark times at Axel, he he wasn't the easiest to deal with either. And right. um, you know, so I think it's just taking a little bit of time for people to see, um, you know, kind of what my work ethic is and and uh, who I am as a person. But and ultimately, uh, in the end, man, it, it's helped me because uh, I've I've got to to have so much knowledge from my dad. Uh, and, and like I said, man, it's, it's not just cause he's my dad, but I, I, I sincerely think that he's one of the top, you know, minds of, of this generation because, you know, no, nobody else has really built more stars, has put on, you know, the shows that he has in, you know, he, he, his, his work speaks for itself. Yeah. He may not be one of the best businessmen, but you know, in, in the end, Show wise, you know, he's still putting on damn good shows. Yeah, <clears throat> sure. Um, the Necro Butcher was a guy who was really close to the IWA, you know, for a long time. He was one of the the biggest breakout deathmatch guys that really, you know, took it from where he was working down there to just global. And I mean, he became the biggest thing on the East Coast. Uh, all the way to, you know, in the wrestler and everything else. He went from a, a big deathmatch icon to pretty much nothing in, in no time. Um, you know, what's your view of the progression of, of what happened with him and, and your thoughts on it? Um, man, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of sad because, uh, all the, all the personal stuff, uh, that, that he's went through, um, you know, don't you know? Don't want to air the guy's business out there or anything. But you know, some of the stuff mm-hmm. that he's went through and 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 uh, the things he's uh, been in, you know, it it got really bad there for a while. He was kind of just living place to place and you know living out of a bag. I hear now he's doing super well for himself though, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, ne- Necro's had some uh, some personal demons. Uh, as far as uh, keeping his hands to himself, uh, you know, domestically and, and stuff like that. Um, but but I think, you know, ultimately, 
the the rise and fall of the Necro Butcher was was no was on nobody but himself. Um you know, and, and I'm glad he's doing well now. Um but but like I said, man, you know, all the stuff that he went through and, and everything that he experienced there there's nobody to blame, you know, but himself. Yeah. Um, another guy who, um, you know, was IWA family, uh, I'd say more so than the Necro Butcher, uh, Corporal Robinson. Um, I mean, what, what went on there? Um, the, the issues with myself and Corporal, uh, started, um, over, I, I was running a couple shows, uh, called Furious Wrestling Society, um, I, I was I was running the shows uh, with some money backers and stuff, and uh, they decided that that my shows that I was putting on were too expensive for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they backed off, uh, and and I was at a very dark point in my life, and I pretty much told them to go fuck themselves. Um, so so they um, you know they went around for a while bouncing to a couple places, and then finally hooked up with Corporal. Anybody that knows Steve knows he's a great salesman. You know, they he 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 can sell you know somebody a bag of dog shit, and uh, you know he he was able to talk them into it. And he asked me, oh hey man, I'd I'd like to use a Furious uh, Championship Wrestling or something. I was like, do whatever you want. Well then, Furious Wrestling Society pops back up. You know, I was like, Steve, what's going on? You know. Why are you using my name? You know, I don't care that he was, but I at least like him to tell me the actual name that he's going to be using. Um, and and then it comes down. Uh, uh, he he wanted me to work for him, which which I was cool with that. Uh, I I knew what uh, these money backers were paying people, so I definitely was going to get my cut of the pie uh, as far as the money went. Uh, later to find out that. Uh, telling them a price to other uh, to you know of all the guys that were on the show, myself, Joseph Swartz, Murdoch, you know, a couple other people, and then uh, giving us half of that money, and then t- and then pocketing the rest for himself on top of being paid for him to wrestle and and book the show, and w- which right. that was the start of w- which that was the start of our issues because you know don't don't take money. Uh, out of out of my pocket, don't take money and food off of my family's table, and uh, yeah. you know, and and then all the stuff started. Uh, you know, the the chick that Steve was with started running her mouth. Um, you know, uh, Corp Corp has always been uh, kind of a snake in the grass person. Um, if he, he he's family, he'll he'll be there for you. Uh, but if it benefits court better, then that's the situation that's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, when the Kill 'Em All Cup was 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 first uh, thought of or or whatever, uh, Corp wanted me to to be in the tournament and come up and help out to make sure that all the weapons were built right and all this other stuff, um, and started telling me all these plans, which from the very beginning I knew was bullshit. Uh, yeah. I I told I told everybody that it was bullshit. Uh, you know he he booked all these guys, and 
by by that time, that's when the falling out between him and my dad happened. Well, yeah. you know, uh, his his deathmatch tournament, I think if, if he would have stayed out of trouble, would have ended up like a 64-man, you know, eight-day tournament because he just kept putting <laughs> yeah. you know, more and more and more guys into it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think at the end of the day, uh, the, the whole kill em all cup was just, a a way for him to get, get money and, uh, you know, to, to try to recoup some of the stuff, uh, that he had spent on other things, uh, in his life at the time. Uh, you know, obviously we, we see, uh, where, Corporal sitting out now, um, you know, and and probably is the best place for him uh, as far as his health goes. Yeah. Um, what were some of your favorite matches over the years, as far as you know the things that have gone on in IWA as a whole? Because I mean, you've seen so much. Um, if you have to name like just like three matches or something that you've seen. Um. Probably my top three favorite matches um, would would be uh, Hero and Punk, uh, the 93-minute match, uh, Punk, Guerrero, uh, and Ray, uh, and then uh, most recently, uh, J.J. Garrett against Reed Bentley uh, from a couple weeks ago. J.J. Uh, Garrett and Reed Bentley put on one hell of a match, man, and, and when, when that drops on Smart Mark, I definitely go... Uh, check that out because they they killed it on on absolutely all levels, man. And and that those are probably my top three favorite matches uh, in IWA so far. No, um, over the years, you know, your dad brought in a lot of different people, you know, a lot of different attractions, and and you know, wrestlers from all over the place that were doing big things. Um, who were your least favorite guys that he brought in as far as the way that they acted when they got there or treated people or whatnot? Um, three, three right off the top of my head, uh, would be, uh, Drunk Jeff Jarrett, um, mm-hmm. Kid Cash, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Th- those, wow. those are my, my top three, uh, as, as far as worst experiences go, uh, with people, uh, you know, rude, um, you know, belligerent, uh, bitter, uh, you know, th- those are the the main three people that I can think of off the top of my head uh, that that were just complete shit to deal with. I don't think I heard the Heenan story. What um was there more to that? Like what happened um, with uh, Heenan? He, you know, man, he he was just uh, you know, it was during the Highland days, so that was like, you know, oh oh five area somewhere around there. Uh, it's kind of really when he mm-hmm. started to turn the curve uh, as far as his health went, um, and and just a bitter old man, you know. But but at the time, uh, you know, uh, like I said, man, I I watched old wrestling, so I was like, oh sweet, Bobby the Brain Heenan's here, you know. Yeah. And he 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 was just bitter, uh, you know, didn't really want to talk to anybody, uh, was kind of just, you know, just kind of a dick to people. And uh, Kid Cash was the same way. He he's just an asshole. Like that that's all there is to it. He's just a dick. And uh, you know he was the same way. Thought he was better than everybody else. Um, 
Yeah, I I don't even know what he's doing anymore. So I think he's an MMA fighter or something. I think I saw something oh. recently that he's. I'm. I definitely gonna have to go see if he's getting his ass whooped or anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean you'll have the opportunity to see it if uh, you know you don't win forever, even if he is winning. Um, yeah. Um, Deathmatch wrestling wise, um. Was there anything that you saw over the years that completely shocked you? Obviously, there's been some pretty major injuries or, you know, and, and you became used to, you know, the things that have gone on year to year. And at some point, maybe nothing shocks you. But um, was there anything that really just, you know, blew your mind as far as deathmatch wrestling, whether it was an injury or, or whatnot firsthand? Um, as far as injuries go, uh, Mitch Page getting the side of his head sliced open. I remember being a kid and watching that happen. That was really scary. Yeah. Um, and then uh, back to Necro Butcher when he got his arm sliced open. That I was also there for that, and and that was really scary. Um, as far as moments go, uh, probably mm-hmm. um, the 2015 King when uh, Tremont came off top of the scaffold through the pile of chairs and and all the debris over there. Uh, even even now, you know, stuff like that, you know, kind of blows my mind. Uh, you know, him him just taking that plunge uh, off top of the scaffold like that was kind of a, a mind-blowing thing. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. I was I was there for that one. That was the uh, only king of the death I've been to thus far, and uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, what um, what do you think? Because you know, it, it always boggles my mind. Um, you know. Over here on the East Coast, the, the deathmatch tournaments, especially Tournament of Death, it draws 1,200, maybe close to 1,500 people. Um, you know, a tournament like last year's tournament over there for IWA doesn't get much better than that. I mean, it was the best deathmatch tournament of the year. Um, it deserved to have that that type of crowd there. And it just I, – I don't know if it's the area or what. I don't think you could have fit 1,000 people in that venue. Um uh-huh. I, what do you I think, think that's just all it is, man. I think that's I, I think location, 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 location. That's that, that's always what it's it, it always boils down to when it comes to King of the Death. Um, you know, on on the East Coast, man. You know, there's there's a lot of places. Uh, you know, for for them to to put death matches. You know, Game Changers doing their deal. Uh, Tod uh, happens at Markle and Acres. Like you know, there there's mm-hmm. multiple spots for for death matches to happen, but we're, we're in the Bible belt, man. Like, you know, even, even people don't see Indiana that way. It's right above Kentucky. Kentucky's still in the Bible right. belt. Like, you know, blood and gore and, and all that stuff, you know, hell man, we, we just got the days of the dead convention here, you know, we're, and it's 2016, you know, so it's, uh, you know, blood, blood and gore and, and stuff like that isn't really accepted here. Um, you know, I, I think that that's all it boils down to is, uh, you know, if if IWA Mid South King of the Death matches were to uh, invade Markland Acres next year, I I think uh, the drawing power would be the exact same as TOD. I think people will be like, "Holy shit, King of the Death matches on the East Coast," you know, and and I think right. uh, I I think fans up there are more accustomed to paying bigger prices. For, for events like that and, and even shows mm-hmm. in general. And and 
the 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 Kentuckiana crowd and 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 Southern crowds, man, they just they really can't afford uh, big crazy events like that. Um, right. You know, so I I think I think if IWA's King of the Death was in a different location, you know, uh, you know, some somewhere like the East Coast, I I definitely think there would be a much much bigger draw to to the tournament. Do you know, I mean, you know, obviously it's Ian's call, but um, has there been any talk of a King of the Death on the road and, you know, an East Coast King of the Death match? Because, I mean, like you said, the drawing is there. The the, the crowd is there. Um, the money's there to be made. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of getting it done. I know it's tough because, you know, you kind of abandon your, your home crowd by doing it, but in the same token, you know, the mind of Ian Rotten can draw money. It just needs to be put somewhere where there's money. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think, uh, over the years, uh, you know, we've talked about several different, uh, different locations for, for King of the Death, um, Chicago and and the East Coast and you know a couple other different places and uh it it all goes back to my dad having too big of a heart and and too you know he he's very loyal to his fans you know and he he doesn't want to move you know the the people that that made that tournament you know the people that really supported that tournament and in its infancy, you know, he, he doesn't want to take that away from them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could understand that, but I, like I said, I, I would love to see him, you know, make the money that he, he should make off of some of the booking he does at some point, because it's just not going to happen, you know, um, out there. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, uh, you know, the, the fans that we have out here are great. They're, they're loyal people, you know, uh, I could probably tell you, you know, three fourths of them by name, um, <laughs> yeah. but but it's it's just uh, it's just the economy, man. Like it that's that's what it all boils down to is uh, you know the the way you know the the, the price of living, you know, and uh, I I think the East Coast has has always been uh, more expensive as far as the price of living goes, and and people down here just aren't willing to pay uh over a certain amount uh for you know their their entertainment uh unless it's going to a movie or Kentucky Kingdom or or wherever uh you know I I just don't think fans are are able to or willing to pay um you know for for a wrestling show Mhm yeah um as far as the east coast I know um you were scheduled to come out here and work um, some on-point wrestling, um, and th- that all seemed to have fallen apart. Um, you know what happened there? Um, just uh, the the booking had been set up through a car load, um, you know, and and a, as you know, you know, money is everything as as far as traveling mm-hmm. goes in this business, uh, and. That there was some just some disagreements uh, as far as money went, um, you know, some some misunderstandings uh, as far as uh, the money the money went. 
for for the guys coming out there, and, and that's what it boiled down to. Uh, I'd I'd love to get out there to to on point or game changer sometimes. Uh, as far as CZW goes, DJ can go fuck himself. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, game changer on point. I'd, I'd definitely love to come out there and uh, you know do do some stuff. Um, I I definitely think uh, you know the the game changer crowd and and atmosphere is definitely more uh more my turf uh as far as wrestling goes. Right. Um. As far as DJ goes, DJ just uh, was out there at the King of the Death match and everything else. Um, you know, what's what's your issue with DJ? I don't um, an issue with DJ, but what's yours? Uh, I just I just never really liked the guy, man. Uh, I've I've always thought uh, DJ carried himself uh, than than more of what he, uh, he actually is. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, you know all the shit that DJ says about himself in his promos. I I think uh, he he actually believes everything that he's saying, <laughs> and 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 that's my biggest issue with DJ is is I I just yeah. don't I I don't like the way that DJ has to be in everything. I don't like the way that DJ has to be in everybody's moment. Let mm-hmm. let your guys live in their moment. Let. Let guy let a guy like Matt Tremont, a guy that goes out there and kills himself, and a guy that goes out there and and legitimately bleeds black and yellow for you. Let him go out there and have his moment. You know, let let guys go out there and shine in their spotlight instead of you having to come out there and cut a fifteen minute promo. You know that that's yeah. that's my thing. You know, no nobody wants to hear him talk. The only person that wants to hear DJ talk is himself. I'm pretty sure. That's the whole reason he made that CZW network is so he could go back and watch himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good chance. Um, so yeah, man. Um, what um, what are your goals at this point? Um, I know you you know you were toying with uh, retirement and uh, you know hanging them up, and um, now you're you're talking about more bookings and everything else. So going back in, you know, what are you looking to accomplish at this point? Uh. Man, man, the main thing uh, for me, uh, the the top three, um, is is obviously uh, when I was growing up, man, I I didn't want to be WWE champion. Uh, I I didn't want to be any other champion. I I just wanted to be the IWA World Champion, and 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 that's my goal. Uh, you know, moving into the future is that that's the one for me that I need to cross off my list. If if I don't do anything else. That that's the one thing that I need to have to say, you know, everything that I've went through as a kid, you know, eating the concession stand food for dinner and 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 being broken and, and robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, all all of that stuff that that it made it all worth it to hold that belt. Uh, num- number two is is King of the Death matches, man. Uh, you know that that tournament probably means more to me than it does anybody else on this planet because I've been there for every single one of them. And mm-hmm. that, that, that's all I want. You know, if, if I don't win it, I'd still like to be in it. And, 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 and that's my big thing is, is I, is I want to be in King of the Death. Um, and, and number three is at least one overseas tour. 
Um, I, you know, most of the wrestling I watch now uh, is overseas. Uh, places like Progress Wrestling, um, you know, all, all the all the stuff going on over there. Those uh, ICW in Scotland, you know, um, I, I'd like at least one overseas tour. Uh, you know, th- those are the big three uh, for me. Uh, but like I said, man, the the number one uh, is, is the IWA World Title. I I need that as vindication of you know all all the shit I've had to eat over the years, uh, all all the the bad mouthing to the company, all the bad mouthing to my family. You know, uh, hold, holding that belt means more to me than than anything in this world besides uh, my fiance and my daughter. Yeah. Um. If you were to, you know, put it together, you know, a three-match compilation of your favorite matches you've had in your career that, uh, you know, to put out there for people to book you or whatever, you know, people wanted an example of, of your best work. What would the three matches you pick be? Um, number one uh, would probably be from, I, I believe it was last year's Heartbreak, uh, myself versus Reed Bentley uh, in a dog collar match. That that's That's probably still... Uh, one of my favorite matches to this day. Uh, we went out there, had a bloodbath, uh, put you know, put on one hell of a match. Uh, number two is probably the finals of the King of the Coliseum, myself and John Wayne Murdoch. Um, and and then number three uh, probably um, would end up having to be um, a match I had. <coughs> excuse me. Um, a match I had, it was a six-man scramble match uh, for for Furious Wrestling Society. Uh, Jonathan Lone Wolf was in it, Cole Radrick, a couple other guys. Um, but but it really shows off uh, me as a talent, me as, you know, a guy that can be a ring general, a guy that can go out there and, and you know, have a good match with guys that are less experienced than him. Yeah. Cool, man. Um yeah, I think that's pretty much all I got. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there, plug or anything? Uh, man, just just for people uh, to to go to Smart Mark and get those weekly shows that IWA is putting out, um, because you know it, we're we're not going out there and and, and packing uh, name after name after name. Not saying that that's wrong. You know, uh, AEW's putting on some great matches. Uh, CZW's doing some good stuff. PWG's killing it at you know at every show, but you know there, there's all those fly-ins. There's 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 everything else. IWA is going out there with mostly local dudes, and we're going out there and killing it every week. You know, wrestling-wise, um, you know, heart, passion, soul. You know, it, it's good old-fashioned wrestling uh, with a new age violent twist. Um, you know, if people want to follow me on social media, they can uh, go to my JC Rotten page on Facebook. JC and Rotten on Instagram, you know, hit me up. I'm I'm willing to talk. I don't do a lot of things. I'm a dad now. Like that that's the main thing I do. I work and I dad. Like you know, and and that's all a guy can ask for in life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of IWA, um, you know, and their their weekly shows and their bigger shows as well. But has there been any talk of eye pay per view situation? Because I mean, that's that's really the easiest way to get it all around the world like quick uh the the main thing uh with iPay-Per-View is like the location that we run in uh the, the jammers the place that we run in is just like very weird when it comes to like signal and wi-fi and everything uh, uh we yeah. we've we've done uh all the 
the test and everything to like put together an eye pay per view. Uh, but now it's mainly just the technical stuff of trying to get signal boosters and and stuff like that to be able to host something like an eye pay per view. And there's been talks of it, um, you know. But but man, when it comes to IWA, um, you know, as as many people know, my my father's had a lot of uh, health issues over the past couple of years. Um, you know, uh, he, he's legitimately going blind. Um, you know, he, he's got a lot of issues. And uh, the main thing I want people to know about IWA is, uh, you know, whether uh, a blind Ian Rotten is telling me uh, how to put together a show or, um, you know, I'm doing it myself. Uh, you know, IWA is going to be around and kicking uh, as long as there's a rotten walking this earth. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've had a lot of disagreements with my dad, um, but, but IWA Mid-South is home. Um, you know, it, it's, it's where I grew up and, and that's the main thing, man, is, is IWA is going to be around and kicking for a lot longer, I think, than people will expect. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Um, you're welcome to come back on anytime and, um, thanks for having me, man. Great. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man. All right, man. I'll see so, you. Yeah, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. So there you go. There's JC Rotten. Uh, I'm gonna take a break. Play a song, uh, Cassidy Freestyle. Kind of long, but tight. So uh, check this out and uh, come back. Uh, talk about a few things, and it's not gonna be too too long tonight. This it right here? Yeah. This the beat right here? Yeah. Oh. Get y'all phones out. Y'all gotta snap this. Y'all gotta gram this. There's nothing but real bars. Her ghost face was there. Twister. Shout out to them. Legends. I go by the name of Cassidy though. Let's get to it. My flow been ill, I never took it to the doctor before I never had my own shoe and foot locker before But I'm ballin', the streets rock with the ball My life a movie, if I wasn't black I would've won an Oscar before Did you ever pop the chopper before? My bull shot it before And pulled his arm out the socket before The chopper never played soccer before But it got kicked though Shoot the kill, blue still, but I ain't crypto Flip snow, sell three, go and buy six more Then cook it to the oils, no Crisco And make the loot I never hesitate to shoot, I let a clip go. Quick as Eddie Murphy, remember when he shot that bitch toe? I ain't from the six, no. I'm from Philly, but I'm still rapping raps back to back. If I get this show, I started from the bottom. But now I'm on top of niggas' list, so I know they hate when I kill them with this flow. Just know I'm in the trap holding a key. Hold my own strap, nobody gotta hold it for me. I was 15 on the strip with niggas that was 15 years older than me, so you know I'm a G. They say money don't grow on the tree, but I think they are dumb. Cause I've been raking it in when the fall comes. I tell my pack boys trap till it's all done. But y'all better act like y'all dumb if the law comes. You catch a little case, that little cake, something's wrong, son. Yes, I always accept when that collect car comes. I tell a whole all tongue, no teeth. Take off my polo briefs and go so deep. I grind a whole week, I ain't get no sleep. I've been up for seven days straight, but I made cake. Yeah, 
in our microwave wait cook it up hard enough to make a razor blade break wait i'm rap tight but i ain't rap tight yeah bring it back look I rap tight, but I ain't rap tight. Fire goes right, it contains right, and your rap's right. We can rap, fight, or clap gats if you don't act right. How these niggas frontin', but they backbite. If y'all pussy and both y'all beefin', that's a cat fight. Don't make me get my dogs involved, they take cats' life. I rap like I got an alien brain. I think alienated thoughts, I take an L of the brain. You can tell I'm insane, but I'm from Earth, I shit on you. I had a spaceship or two, aliens could get it too. Listen, Zoo, I'm from... In- I'm on the plane with the shit I grew My homie work at TSA He let me get it through A brick or two Couple pounds Lots of pills Same shit that got me rich Could've got me killed I topped the wheel with no roof Like a soccer field The goal was to score and see green And scheme soccer still I smoke Ohibas on a poppy field Cause I got the hustle of blocker pill That poppy field I for real You think an alligator brave I'm cold butted Fuck it Throw me in an alligator cage my patience short like alligator leaves. Take the gauge and lay you out like alligator eggs. Of course, my patience short like alligator leaves. Take the gauge and lay you out like alligator eggs. I don't wear suits, my shoes ain't alligator made. But I'm definitely a Mac, and I'm definitely correct. You need food for thought, I got the recipe for that. To be the best in rap, it's a necessity for that. There's levels to this shit, but if you try and get on mine, you gotta get on your grind. You need equity for that. Hip-hop ain't dead and they respected me for that. My worst better than your best and now the best of me is fat. Fat. I'm on some back when I was young shit. Cause the radio keep playing that same dumb shit. That's that bum shit. Cats that can't rap run shit. But they won't cut no more checks if you protest. You enjoy hot and the boy not boycott. Get that boy dropped. Put him in that unemployed spot. His girl enjoy cop. She let niggas with money from my team train her ass like Floyd Pop. Yikes. They like, when will the boy stop? Yo, son is the greatest, he underrated. You gotta be retarded if I ain't one of your favorite. I was told that I'm the greatest alive by some of the greatest. Some of my haters transitioning now, listening now. They whole perspective is switching around. I'ma draw the line if niggas keep fishing around. Bitch, you would drown, be a body that some fishermen found. Clown. So yeah, man. Uh, this past weekend, I had my uh, my barbecue slash pepper party and shit. It was a lot of fun. You know, pepper pong the whole nine. Um, previous to the party, I um, pretty much napalm my house. I um, I was trying to make sauce and uh, trying to multitask and everything. And uh, while cooking the peppers, which were uh, Trinidad scorpions, I believe, mm, maybe. Yeah, I think they were Trinidad Scorpions or Ghost Scorpions, one of the two. But, um, yeah, they started to burn. And the smoke that comes off burning fucking super hot peppers is pretty much like napalm. Uh, the the animals in the, the next room started to, like, cough. So I had to, like, rush them off into the room. And, yeah, it was it was just all that brutal. Um, so, uh, you know, that that was the first I've done that. Um, but, yeah, the pepper party was great. Uh, played pepper pong, had uh, dark chocolate, uh, pepper, pepper-shaped 
chocolates with uh, hot peppers in them, uh, brownies with peppers in them, all sorts of shit like that. Uh, really good stuff. Obviously, all the, the major food had no peppers. It was just, you know, straight up barbecue stuff. You know, the mop burgers, banging ass burgers, uh, chicken of all sorts. Um, yeah, you know, all hooked up. But, um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I love that fucking, uh, that barbecue that I do once a year. It's, it's great stuff, you know, big harvest on my peppers and, uh, then just do a bunch of shit with it. And, you know, pepper pong is probably the coolest fucking thing in the world. Um, so yeah, quick, quick, uh, this, this weekend is uh GCW on Sunday with the, uh, oh, what the fuck are they calling it? Um, shit. A date to remember, uh, that's not it. Uh, something like that. But a date with destiny, that's it. The Matt Tremon, John Zandig, fucking Teddy Hart, and fucking uh, Chris Dickinson. I mean, the, the fucking card is crazy. Um, speaking of, I will be doing two shows this week. So tonight, you got J.C. Rotten. Tomorrow, 9 o'clock, Teddy Hart. Uh, it's been a couple of years since he's been back on the show. Um, you know, Teddy has a lot to say and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's an entertaining guy. Uh, definitely nothing like Teddy. And, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll be talking to him tomorrow. Um, Cody Rhodes debuts on the Indies this weekend. Uh, SummerSlam is on Sunday. The UFC is on Saturday. A whole bunch of shit to watch. Um, CZW, look, I um I didn't see either of the shows. Um, I have I have some things to say about it just off of reading the results and seeing the clip of the the end spot that they did and everything. But I think I'm gonna try to wait another week and see if I can uh, watch it. And if I can watch it, I'd rather review it in whole, you know, that way. Um, but yeah. I, I, like I said, I have some things to say about it as is, but I'll, I'll just hold on to that and, and put it all together when I review the whole thing. Um, one thing I can say that I might as well I'll just put out there this week is, you know, I, I saw that they're attaching best of the best to next uh, next year's WrestleMania weekend, which happens to be in Florida, Orlando. Um, I, I think it's tremendously disrespectful to the fan base to take best of the best away from them. Uh, kind of like I was saying with the um, King of the Death and, you know, moving into the East Coast, although, you know, you would draw the big money, the only thing that you can see as a negative is that you are sort of abandoning your home base crowd, um, you know, who supported you, you know, whether it be 10 or 20, or 100, or 200, or whatever the case was. Um, so, to me, that that's tremendously disrespectful. Um, and it's not a case of, oh, best of the best didn't draw, but if we move it over there, it's going to draw like crazy. That show in Orlando is going to draw regardless because of the weekend it is, the amount of people who are in, the, in that area to watch wrestling. It is what it is. You book any court, sort of super card, it doesn't even make sense with your storylines. It doesn't have to do fucking anything, and it will draw people. Last year, um, I'm pretty sure they drew pretty well, but besides that, they ran up against fucking NXT, was, which is just retarded. I'm not sure if that's what they're doing this year, but either way, 
Uh, best of the best is a staple of CZW. It's one of the biggest shows for CZW. You know your local New Jersey, Philadelphia crowd is not going to fucking Orlando. Uh, maybe a couple of these high-rolling motherfuckers that fly to all the WrestleManias and have the money for even a ticket to WrestleMania. Sure shit isn't me. Um, you know, have the ability to go that. But me personally, I've only missed one best of the best tournament. The one that Alex Cologne won. I've been to best of the best one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Count down the road until, uh, I guess, the one that Alex won. I, I forget what number that was. But um, that's that's the one I missed. I had taken in a year off of wrestling shows for a uh, few reasons. And uh, that's the only one I've ever missed. I have no choice but to miss next year's best of the best, whether I wanted to or not, because it's in Orlando. And um, I, don't, I don't think that's quite fair to your uh, your home base. I just don't. And I don't think the best of the best tournament is going to matter to a traveling crowd. I, I don't think it's going to matter to a road crowd of best of the best. Um, yeah, obviously, like I watch the eye pay per view or whatever, but it's just it's not the same. And um, again, I don't I don't think it holds the same uh, level of importance to an away crowd as it would to your home fans that, that fucking earned that for being loyal for all those years, the best of the best. So I think it's a real slap in the face. Um, and I'm not going to jump into this card thing, but another, you know, big, like, yeah, no fucking way is this a Zandig production now. You know, it wasn't something I was buying from the beginning anyway. Um, right from the start, I was like, oh, here we go with this. The angle was good at tor- a Tournament of Death and immediately smacked in the face when DJ started working no bar wire matches a couple weeks later for no reason. There was no angle that built to that where he needed to work that, booked himself in these type of matches, directly following him, supposed to be you know decimated by John Zandig, and he's booked all over the cards. And, I mean, um, it, you know, some things like that, it really makes it more difficult to run your company but if you have an angle that big and you really want to properly execute it, you got to find a way to not be present, straight up not be present, traveling show or not. And you got to make it as if somebody else booked that. Somebody else is in charge. You could for, you know, film all the vignettes you need to, play them on the fucking screen, whatever you got to do. Um, these these are things that are involved in, in really investing in your own angles and investing in your company going in an interesting direction rather than the same old shit. And this is this is just a continuous problem I have at CCW. It's the same old shit and uh, going along the DJ method of booking. And, uh, you know, the the card that I'll, I'll review next week screamed DJ booking from the very start. It was supposed to be the boss is back, but it was booked like any other DJ Hyde CCW show. So... Just, just kind of silly overall, and um, you know, it's it is what it is. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll get at that next week, and um, I think that that's pretty much it. I, I want to plug uh, the Hot Tag Podcast doing their thing tonight. I definitely want to check those guys out because uh, they're at CZW shows, and uh, I, I want to see what they have to say about it because they were there live. I've heard reviews, I've heard results. Heard all sorts of things, but uh, like I said, I'll tell it for myself next week. Definitely looking forward to hearing what those guys have to say. I got um, 
the sports stand on tonight. Go check them out. A lot of NFL going on, man. My Niners, you know, first preseason game. A lot of ups and downs. You know, we lost the game, but I took away a lot of positives from that. Our offensive line looked awesome. Our defense looked fucking real, real tough. And on top of our defense looking tough, we had a couple key defensive guys not playing. Um, on top of um, our offensive line looking really good, we didn't have our starting quarterback in the game. I still believe Colin Kaepernick's going to be our starting quarterback, despite the fact that there's competition. Only thing that worries me is, you know, they're talking about this thing with the dead arm and all that. Uh, if he snacks back into form, I, I think he could be really, really dangerous in this system. I, I'm loving Chip Kelly's play calling. I think it's going to generate a lot more points on the board. Our defense is our defense, man. We're a lot tougher of a defense than Philly ever had. So I have a lot more confidence in our guys in that aspect. I think we could do a lot of big things and really shock motherfuckers. So um, looking forward to it. That's about it for football. Um, and, um, oh, check out um, Alex Mahoney doing her thing over there. Um, if you want something drawn, you want to commission a drawing, um, for a t-shirt, a poster, anything out there. I mean, you could do it for yourself. You could do it for your favorite wrestler. You could do it for whoever you want. Hit her up on Facebook. Um, and uh, Alex Mahoney, she's tremendously talented. She designed a new Joey Janela shirt. And, hey, man, that dude's on his way back. If you didn't see his new promo video, go check that shit out. He's coming back in September, which, you know, swerved everybody because they thought he was out five, six months. Turns out he's not. He's, he's, he's on his way back. Yo, man, he's been down a little time, hooked that dude up, copped that, uh, that Terminator T-shirt, man. This shit is hot. Um, I think that that's pretty much all I got. I think I plugged everybody I want to. And um, I, I'm going to end up uh, telling my story about um, a cat I lost today. Uh, you know, I work – I deal with a lot, of, uh, a lot of different situations and a lot of different cats. And um, this this one really hit me hard today. Uh, a cat came in last year, the end of last year. Uh, his name was Mr. Nosy, which is a horrible name. Uh, he also had a horrible home. He was about seven years old, uh, all white, bi-eyed, fronty clawed, which, you know, a lot of those things don't work out in a cat's favor. I'm completely anti-declawing because, you know, you're cutting off a cat's fingers at the first knuckle. Um, you, um, which... In the long run, this this could have contributed to, you know, what happened to him in the long run. But uh, because it does weaken their immune system, when you weaken anything's immune system, it opens your body up to, uh, well, it causes more stress, which weakens the immune system. And when that happens, it leaves you more susceptible to any kind of diseases or, or organs failing or those type of things down the road. Um, so that's that's something you open your cat up to anytime you do a, a declawing situation. Your cat might seem very happy, but there, there's, um, you know, one of a cat's natural defenses. I'm not going to go on a whole thing uh, about declawing because I could be here all day. But uh, one, of, one of a cat's natural defenses is the not show weakness. So, you know. A lot of the they seem happy, everything's fine, this and that. You don't really see what's going on until it's usually too late or it's in really bad shape. So anyway, um, this cat came from a situation where he lived with older people. Um, they declawed the cat, and uh, then it became where the cat was a nuisance because the old man could barely walk. And so they they made him live in a dog crate. And he was living in a dog crate because the guy didn't want to trip over him. And then when the grandkids would come over, they would poke him in his cage. 
and this would make the cat extremely angry and aggressive and um, obviously very upset. Um, when he was turned into us, we were told that he didn't like other kids. He didn't like kids. He didn't get along with kids. And that was that was their description of why he didn't get along with kids, because when they would poke him in the cage, he would get angry. Um, you know, this, this is what the cat's life was. This is what he dealt with. Um, when I first got him, uh, he was fucking furious. Although Fronty Claude, he would smack the shit out of you and he would bite you. Um, I didn't give him the opportunity to bite me, but believe me, he wanted me. He wanted to. Um, I, I took some pictures of him while furious because I, I knew I I knew I could turn this cat around. Um, I deal with many cats that are angry. I don't just take pictures of them angry and post them on the internet because, um, you know, if their outcome isn't going to be good, the last thing I'm going to do is say, Hey, look how angry he was because, um, I, you know, when I have to lose a cat like that, that I can't turn around, I take it as somewhat of a failure because, um, yeah, I'm their only chance. So this cat, I, I knew I could turn him around. So I, I, I took a picture of him initially, you know, when he was angry and I posted it and everything, holy shit. You know, they'd either laugh or they'd Oh my God, they'll look how angry. And, um, you know, it's it's a crazy-looking picture and everything else. You know, teeth teeth out, you know, fucking mad. And, man, like, you know, I was I was offering this cat, you know, I, was, I put the wet food in the cage. I was offering this cat catnip. I, I'd slowly put my hand in there to try to get him catnip. He'd fucking smack my hand, knock the catnip out of my hand. I mean, this dude was, he was pissed off. So I did what I always do, and I worked with him very slow, and I respected him, and I gave him his space. And then, you know, I, little by little, I gained his trust, and um, he became awesome, just straight out awesome. I mean, just as friendly as you could be, um, just mushing me, fucking hanging out with me, He'd sit on my lap. He, I mean, he was just awesome. Um, so uh, going on from there, an uh, older woman came in, and uh just looking for a cat, and, uh, you know, she adopted him. Uh, he was perfect. She had no other animals. He wasn't good with other animals. She didn't have any kids, so he wasn't going to have any flashbacks to the kids poking him in the cage. It was perfect. She was the only one. It was just him and her in the house. And, uh, I mean, she immediately fell in love with him. She took him home. She was sending me pictures. She she stopped by around Valentine's Day and brought me a bag, you know, a little gift bag with chocolates in it and a picture of him on it. Um, Easter, she brought me a, a picture of him in a bunny suit. Um, she worked for, she was an editor of the, the newspaper over there at the, uh, the adult community and uh, had a giant article written up about the place I work at and really, you know, highlighted me and really, uh, you know, showed me a lot of respect for what I do and, um, you know, gave me a lot of credit for what I do. And, uh, you know, just in love with them. Well, as of last week, uh, she had to bring him back to me because he, uh, she was losing her home, went into bankruptcy, and uh, she had to move in with her son that had a couple dogs and couldn't, couldn't have cats or, you know, whatever the case is there. And uh, he came back to me, and as soon as I saw him last week, I noticed, you know, he, he's underweight. He was always a little slimmer than I would have liked to have been because he was a very big frame cat, very big frame. He probably could have handled 15, 16 pounds and still didn't look obese because he had such a large frame that he would have carried that well. Well, when he left, he was 12 pounds. 
So, again, a little more slender than, you know, again, like he would have been bulky at 16 pounds or 15 pounds, but I think he would have carried it all right because he had such a long body and tall frame and everything else. Uh, so he left at 12 pounds, uh, almost 13 pounds. Um, and uh, he came back at eight pounds and change last week. Um, so I immediately was, was pretty concerned, um, you know, losing four or almost five pounds. And, uh, you know, so uh, got his weight and, um, you know, it wasn't good, obviously. And uh, the next morning he was wobbly. And uh, we had no no vet there at the time. The vet was off that day. Um, we got blood work and everything, but um, we had to send him to an emergency vet because, uh, you know, it just uh, something had to be done. He was wobbly. He could barely stand at this point. And um, his blood work came back that he was going through kidney failure and anemic, and uh, his blood was just horrible. So today I had to part with him. Extremely, extremely tough. You know, you go from the highest point possible to being completely helpless. Definitely the hardest, hardest thing to deal with. Some of these things you could see coming. This is just not one of them. So um, that that's what I had to deal with today. So, uh, well, anyway, uh, don't want to keep it down or anything like that. I'll uh, check you guys out tomorrow with Teddy Hart. Peace. I love all of y'all and uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I listen to your to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say that's the bad guy. So what I make you good? Black cheese tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people and I'm like, well I gotta hear it now. <laughs> You just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Juza Kiss Radio. Jesus! So say good night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools.